0: another great opportunity to practice patience, right? Let us hear the word of the Lord, the second lesson, chapter 2, verses 1 to 13 of the book of Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound, like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability." Now there were devout Jews from under every nation in heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us, In our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, this morning on this day of Pentecost, I want you to think about one of the last times that you felt really alive, and feel free to let your memory wander as far back as it needs to go to think about what that felt like. Maybe it was a moment in your youth that you can pinpoint, I wonder where you were, I wonder what was happening Maybe it was the discovery of a new idea. Maybe it was the discovery of a new part of yourself. Maybe it could be remembering what it was like to fall in love. And as we all know, ideally throughout life, we fall in love in different ways throughout our whole lifespan. But when this happens, often what also accompanies it is that we want to share it. We want to share that thing that we experienced, that thing that we saw, that item that captured us, that moment that seemed to creep inside of us. We want to share it, and we want someone else to see it. We don't necessarily want to force it, but we want that sharing Of the experience, that ability to say, do you see it? Can you see that I saw it? We want to tell the world, at least we want to tell our world, and we want our world to see us back. To say, yes, I see it. I get that, I understand that, I hear that. We want to have that moment where we feel like others are speaking our language, right? And now as research is coming out around all of these different ideas about language, we're discovering things that, of course, we sort of intuited all along, right? which is that the way that mothers communicate to their babies without even using words is that precursor of the development of language. We're developing and sort of putting um, data to the fact that people who are in long-term partnerships or that lovers actually communicate using their own language. And of course, we intuited this all along. The same goes for best friends. There's a language that exists between people that know and love each other. And we're able to put some science around that now. All of that to say that being known is really what we're after. And it's not just being seen or being heard, though that's part of it. But being known is being seen, heard, and understood. That ability to say, I see what you see. I get it. I hear you. I know you. And I think that our Pentecost text today has something to say about the value of being known, about the language of being known, and how important that is for us as humans. And in fact, in our text today, we also see some of the honest complications that end up creating sort of a glitch in this desire to be known We see two ways that that gets in the way of this particular group of people who are meeting together at Pentecost. We see the labels that are sort of attached to them, right? And then we also see the conclusion that is filled with sort of apathy and disdain, which says they are filled with new wine. And put between these two items, these two examples of the things that get in the way of our communication, we have this story of Pentecost, this unfolding story of what it means to actually communicate with each other. All of these Jews, and I love how the writer tells us that they were from every nation under heaven. And when you're reading this text, you realize that the writer actually wasn't kidding. This is one of those texts where it might actually help the reader or myself to do some of the choir exercises before it because the enunciation can be so challenging when you have to go from Elamites all the way to Pamphylia, you know, just even that kind of messes me up. But here they are from different countries, different cultures, and they have no way of being known aside from these labels that mark them, Right? That's one of the reasons why we get this lengthy list of labels within this text is because the writer is trying to say here's who was there. And we need a list of what this diverse group of people was because they weren't all the same people. They were different. And they needed labels in order to help them figure out what that was. The labels certainly not are not negative. But at the end of the day, they're also limiting. They say more about the points of of disconnection between this group of people, the points of separation, than about their points of connection. And when the Spirit comes, one of the interesting things that happens in response to this incredible rushing wind is not just that they hear a mere translation of their tongue. But instead, what they hear, and if you look at the text and read it again, it happens two times. They say, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. In our own tongue, glossa is the word that's used. In our own tongue, In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. They hear these others who look different, who sound different, who are different. And they hear them speaking personally across those boundaries. And what are they talking about They're talking about God, about God's deeds of power. It's really mega is the word that's used. God's great works is another way of translating that sentence. Miraculous things, marvelous things, things for which you cannot attribute to any other thing other than you're recognizing that somehow the hand of God is at work there. From the very beginning of the coming of the Spirit, the gospel has been transcultural. It has happened across cultures. It has never been something, though it has in its history, but as we look at the book of Acts, what we see is that it was not designed to solidify cultural lines, but it was actually out there to move between them to be able to go fluidly from one culture to another. It does not calcify the lines of these nations, but it ends up bringing them together. And it does so in such a way that it preserves the full integrity and humanity of each of the nation groups that are there, each of the peoples that are there. And again, the sentence reflecting on that in our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. In other words, this message, it kept its large umbrella integrity in terms of what it was about. But it did that while communicating in an intimate and personal way to each person present. And friends, that is the power of the Spirit of God, to be big and small at the same time, to work amongst the labels, but not to be reined in by them, to speak to each person in his or her own way, through their own tongue, but not to privilege one nation or language or tongue above another. You see, the Spirit sets us forth into this great conversation where there's communication that happens back and forth, and all the while it's working towards unity while holding on to the diversity that exists within that space and that community. That's the picture of what the Spirit has to offer us of what real human knowing is, what real communication is. And as we know in our time, this is no small task, right? Rarely do we bear witness to this or are we able to achieve it. I want to reflect for just a second on the purpose and the power of language within our culture today. And as I see it, We are living through a time where language is, in fact, becoming a great weapon. And as a lover of language, this is actually quite quite tragic for me. I was an English major who is a deep supporter of the work of the humanities. I went on to get a Master's in Divinity from Princeton, um, which is the study of nothing but words, right? Ultimately, at the end of the day, and in different languages, And so, as a lover of language, when I see what's happening within the course of language today, I actually mourn and grieve quite regularly around this. Because I see labels cast about, tossed around throughout our social networks of connection, And it actually goes way beyond the work of social media. If you've done a widespread reading of the editorial section within the New York Times, you'll know that this isn't something that lands specifically within the realm of social media, but that it's pervasive throughout much of our culture today. Signs, buttons, hashtags, all of which I support and practice and use, right, right? but they only go so far in achieving real human communication. Because as we learn in our text today, and as we know and have intuited all along, language is more than just words. It's more than just the symbol that we see on the page, the phonemes that get put together to help us make sense it in our brain. Language is actually the action behind that, right? And yet, what we know and what we see in our world today is that words in and of themselves are actually not powerless. They actually hold a lot of potential and power, just as they can build so can they destroy. They can form a faceless message that misses the complexity and the nuance, the humanity behind the word. The humanity with the real story, the real foibles, the real complications. Labels run the risk of flattening us to become two-dimensional beings without real histories, hopes, loves, and dreams. At the end of the day, labels are just not enough. And they can be weaponized to polarize people against each other. Friends, this is not the work of the spirit The work of the Spirit brings people together. In truth, okay, there are hard words that need to be said. The Spirit is not against saying the hard words. In fact, the hard words need to be spoken. But the work of the Spirit ultimately is known by bringing people together. And the work of the Spirit is often known in more than just words. But in fact, the work of the Spirit, as we see in our text today, speaks the native language of each. And all of us in this room today, we all have a native language that is bigger than just the English language. We all have a way of speaking and knowing and communicating that is bigger than just our American identity, as complex as that is in itself. The Spirit brings people together in a supportive and trusting Environment, and that then becomes the foundation of community. And in fact, what we see in our text today is it launches the beginning of the church itself. When Jesus promises his disciples that the Spirit will come in power, the witness of that is the first day of Pentecost. When what? Not that they were actually able to do anything yet, but that they were able to communicate in truth and in love across labels. That was the beginning of the church, and later it becomes acts of power and the way that the gospel ends up being able to be communicated across cultures in and around the whole first century Mediterranean world. But it starts in Jerusalem under many labels, being brought together by the work of the Spirit. This is the sign of the church, and it's the witness of the gospel of Jesus. As a church, we are and have always been and need to remember and continue to be that we are loving words in action. And it needn't just happen within the scope of this building. In fact, perhaps never aside from the first three centuries of the church have we ever been so called to work outside of the scope of this building that we meet in today. We often worry about how to launch those points of communication, how to begin that work of the Spirit outside the realm of where we are today. And we worry about that because we're concerned about respect, we're concerned about diversity, we're concerned about the separation of church and state, we're concerned about honoring the others that we come into communication with. And those are all very, very good intentions. But I want to offer you perhaps a tool that you can play with over the next however long. Because friends, I believe that the best way that we can communicate the gospel today in the 21st century is by relentlessly proclaiming the sacredness of the human being. The human being made fully in the image of God. The human being being fully able, by the spirit of the living God, to be able to talk about the wonderful and marvelous works of God. You see, every human can participate in that. Every human can be called into that form of communication. In fact... It's our greatest longing and deepest need. The first 700 years of the church 300, 400, 700. We're all about figuring out how to hold on to the mystery of the Incarnation and claim the radical sacredness of matter. What that means for us today is that the word cannot be disconnected from the way that it comes to life within the world And the way that it comes to life within the world can happen in such a way that gives voice and gift to the sacredness of every human life. I don't know how to talk about the issue of guns. I don't know how to talk about the issue of race. I don't know how to talk about the issue of the town hall in Ballard that happened a week and a half ago without first laying the groundwork of this conversation. The sacredness of what it means to be human, that is the foundation of the church. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we need your help. On this day of Pentecost, we ask for your spirit to come as it did 2,000 years ago, that we may hear each other and that from that place that we may speak of your marvelous works. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us stand.